I have had a hole in one on number 12. Uh, I played. I stop. Everybody stop. Everybody stop. Harris English with a gentle flex. An ace on, on Golden Bell. Very nicely done. This season of Half Forgotten History, we're partnering with Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. I love the Sprinter Van. It's always a smooth ride, whether I'm headed to the course to play around or to the stadium for a really good tailgate. And just like the world-class athletes we talk to on the show, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans go the extra mile. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History. This season, of course, all about the NFL Draft and golf. And we got another major coming up, the PGA Championship. And this week's guest is a guy who will be competing for the Wanamaker Trophy. But he's also the answer to an amazing trivia question. He got in to the Tournament of Champions without actually being a champion. It's a long and convoluted story, but we'll get into it now with PGA Tour professional Harris English. Well, delighted to be joined on this episode of Half Forgotten History by a man who is forever going to be the answer to a golf trivia question. And hopefully he'll uh, be known for more than that as his career plays out. The winner of the 2021 Century Championships at one of my uh, favorite places on the planet, Kapalua, Hawaii. Harris English is with us. Harris, how are you, man? Trey, thanks for having me, man. So let's talk about that little intro there because you won uh, the Century uh, Tournament of Champions uh, in January, Kapalua. And you will forever be, I believe, the only person to win the tournament who got in by not winning a tournament the previous year. Because of COVID, they had to cancel so many tournaments, so they went by whoever qualified for the Tour Championship, and, and that's how you got in the field. So, like, you, you really, you have the most unique thing. Like, no one will be able to take that away from you. Yeah, I, I felt pretty lucky to be there, but um, coming back from COVID, um, that's the the rules of the PJ Tour made. So I knew if I didn't win a tournament, I could still get to Kapalua by making it the Tour Championship. So I, I made that one of my goals, and um, I was lucky to be there. I, I can say I made the most of my most of my time in Kapalua this year, and and, and punched my ticket there next year. So I'm uh, I'm extremely excited about it. Well, listen, as, as a guy who's a frequenter uh, of Kapalua, I understand it. So what, when you won in the playoff against Neiman, what was your first thought? Was it A, oh, good, I'm in the Masters again, or B, I get to come back to Maui next year? Um, well, I was already in the Masters from getting in the Tour Championship, so I already kind of had gotcha. that box checked off. Um, but it, it was more just, just winning a tournament. Um, you kind of get in the moment. You always prepare for those moments, and I love being – kind of with nine holes to go, having a chance to win and, and being able to, I wanted to eagle the last hole, but birdie in the last hole to get in the playoff and, and just seeing if you can do it under the gun, under the utmost pressure to, to see if you can pull off those shots. And it was really just the gratification of, of doing all those things and, and being back in the winner's circle. I hadn't been back in the winner's circle for seven years and um, just all of those different emotions hit you at once. And, and, kind of all these things that come with winning. I mean, it's been amazing getting in all these tournaments that I hadn't been in a long time. And, and um, A, getting back to probably the best tournament on the PJ Tour is, is back in the Tournament of Champions. So I'm, I'm excited about where that has taken me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to keep building on it. I think that's the thing that is so different about golf and almost any other sport, is that you can make a very comfortable living for a lot of years playing the game, everyone's competitive and everybody wants to win. And I remember when Max 
Homa won the, the playoff at the Genesis at Riviera, his first thought was it validated the other win. Now, you had won two other times before, but it, it does sort of like rejuvenate you. Like, like you said, it had been seven years. You're like, I still can do this, and that meant something to you. Yeah, I mean, that's why we all play the game. I, I don't play the game for the money. It's just, it's just a bonus. I mean, I, I love being able to compete and seeing where my game, my A game can stack up against the best players in the world. And for me, a good week is, is being able to have a chance to win a tournament. And if I have a pretty good week and finish 20th, so be it. Um, but I, I want to always have a chance to win and, and feel like um, my game can compete. And you always work so hard. I went through a little slump um, a few years ago, and, and it's nice to be able to work on things and, and see things like, like Max Emma said, the, the validation of working on those things and all the hard work that I'd put in a, a lot of my the team that I work with here at Sea Island, um, all the hard work they've put in to, to get me there. Um, everybody believed I could get back in the winner's circle. So it's kind of all those emotions hitting you at once of all this work you've put in finally, finally has, has meant something and, and on, on the biggest of stages. You mentioned the word slump and anybody that plays golf at any level is going to experience a slump. And then you, you go through it on a very public stage, obviously, and trying to figure it out against the best players in the world. I think golf is the, is the one sport that can mess with you mentally almost more than anything because it's just you. I mean, you have your conversation with your caddy, right? But if, if, you're, if you're on a team sport, well, you know, this didn't work and that didn't work. It's just you out there and the ball only goes where you send it. And people that don't play and specifically don't play a lot or at a very high level can't quite understand how frustrating that can be at times. Like, you know, I, I can go out and play with my buddies and, and play four holes like I should be able to hit every shot and then play five holes like I've never picked up a club before. But that's me, a hack on the weekend. <laughs> What's it like when you're dealing with that, you know, when you're playing against the best players in the world and you're trying to find that form, which came so easily at certain times and suddenly, you know, like the old line from uh, The Usual Suspects, and just like that, it was gone. Yeah, I mean, golf is is such a a fine line. I mean, confidence plays such a huge part in golf. And um, the thing for me is, and, and probably I can speak for everybody on the PJ Tour, is you're always trying to get better. You're never satisfied yeah. with where your game is. I mean, w with golf, I mean, you're going to play different shots every single day. And, and until you hold every shot you look at, you can always get better at certain aspects of the game. And, and sometimes – going down the rabbit hole of, of chasing, chasing something that maybe can't get better or maybe chasing something that could potentially make you worse. And, and that's kind of what I went through. I, I went through some swing changes, saw a number of different swing coaches and really got away from my system of, of what made me good throughout high school, college, my first few, year, few years on tour. And you, you kind of lose lose yourself a little bit of this is not how I used to play the game. This is not what I used to think yeah. about on the golf course. Um, it becomes much tougher. And this game is is awesome. I mean, you, you play the best golf when the game is easy, when your your mind is yeah. clear. Um, you're just seeing the shots in your head and, and hitting them. And, and it can become really difficult at times. I mean, Bobby Jones said the game is played but between your ears. And um that couldn't be more correct of a, of a statement. And um, I, I went through that. I mean, you, you go through times of you don't think you can do it again. And that's what making winning in Kapalua that much sweeter. Yeah. I mean, it is 
you mentioned rabbit hole, and I don't think there's another sport that has a deeper rabbit hole if you want to go down there, right? Like there are, there are guys on tour that are tinkering all the time, and there are guys that are on tour that just don't even think about it, and they know what they know, and they go out there. But like, if you wanted to go down, it's, it's, you know, it's like taking a tour on the dark web. If you wanted to go down that rabbit hole, well, is it the wrist pronation? Is it you know my spine angle? Am I coming in too steep? Is my grip too tight? Is it my is it my right hand open at, at impact? And that's why like there are a million things you can mm -hmm. think of if you wanted to try and go down that road. And how do you judge? Okay, I I, I want to get better, but I don't want to lose my mind. Yeah, I mean, golf is probably the most analyze sport from from technique of of anything i've ever seen and you can go up and down the range of okay dustin johnson is gonna hit it further than me i'm, I'm not gonna be able to hit it past dustin johnson but that doesn't mean that i need to change what i'm doing in, in my game to to be better i just need to get better at little things and that's kind of what i've i've learned with my coach here is he kind of he finds out all the information and dumbs it down for what I need to hear. Um, I'm, I'm an extremely uh, feel player and I, I like seeing shots, like hitting different shots. So he has to take in all the information and, and figure it out and then dumb it down for, for me to be able to, to do it because you don't want to be thinking about all these different positions and arm angles, hand angles, weight shift, ball position. I mean, there, there's a million different things and, and that can all be a detriment and you trying to get the ball in the hole. But that's what's crazy about the game, right? Like most people, like you said, just see the shot, make the shot, think clearly and freely. And then you have guys like Frankengolfer, Bryson DeChambeau, who's out there and he's thinking about everything. Like the conversation he had with his caddy before the shot on 18 at the players that he needed to hold a win, which by the way, we don't, let's not gloss over the fact that he hit a, a pitching wedge past the flag at 185 yards. I don't care how downwind it was. He had a pitching wedge past the flag at 185 yards. But the conversation between him and his caddy was, all right, it's this, but it's really 166 because that's what we're thinking with the win. Like He was going through all the things that most golfers try to avoid, and yet somehow it works for him. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch. I mean, he's, he's one of the few that I've ever seen have that much information going through his head and, and be able to pull it off. I think that makes him lock in more. It makes him zone in more of, of thinking he knows exactly what it's going to do. And yeah. golf, there's a lot of luck in play. I mean, it, it's a lot of feel. And sometimes the ball is going to fly 166. Sometimes it's going to fly 170 based on wind gust, hitting a little harder. I mean, it, it, it's so hard to perfect this game. And he's trying to do it. And, and people – talk about how far he hits it all the time but they don't they don't talk enough about his short game and his putting I mean if he wasn't a good putter if he didn't he, he couldn't chip the ball very well he wouldn't be doing what he's doing so he's he's got all the pieces right now and it's it's pretty cool to see but it's it's so hard to replicate I, I don't think I could go through what he's done to his body and and done to mm -hmm. his swing and be able to perform at the level he's performing at Nothing subbed up golf to me more than the past season where Gary Woodland lost 30 pounds to get better and Bryson gained 40 pounds to get better, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. If, if, if there's one thing that sums up golf and it's so inexact and it's so different to everybody, I mean, I mean that's it. So when you say you're a field player, for people that don't know, like there are, there are two kinds of players, players that are very strategic and players that are very much me mechanical, like these are the things I need to do. And then there are other players out there like yourself that just... I can't worry about that stuff when I'm playing. I'll deal with it on the range, but I just want to, I want to free my mind and play. 
In your experience, how many players on tour are more on the field side right now, and how many are really knee-deep in the woods on the, on the mechanical aspect of things? I would say about 80% of the guys are more field players. I mean, then you have the, uh, like, say, Bubba Watson is on the end of the spectrum of he is a total field player. I've never seen him oh, work on the swing, have a swing coach. He's, he's just out there hitting shots, which I would say I'm more like that. Um, my, my coach kind of wants me to be in the middle because – that's how you can get off or get your technique off a little bit. But Bubba's on one end of the spectrum. Then you have Bryson on the other end of the spectrum. And I would say Justin Rose is more into that of tinkering with a swing. Um, a lot of Sean Foley's guys do that a lot. Yeah. And, and some guys, I mean, obviously Justin Rose is a hell of a player. I mean, he's had an incredible career and, and he can think about stuff like that. Um, to me, like Brooks Kepka is a field player. Rory's a field player. I mean, I, I rarely see them working on technique on the range. They, they could be thinking about it, but it doesn't seem like that. Um, and, and Tiger, I mean, when he's locked in, when, when he's coming down the last couple holes at Augusta, he's not thinking about technique. He's, he's so focused on where the ball is going to go. He's almost one step ahead. So when, when he's locked in like that, he, he's a field player in my eyes. And I think that's the way most most uh, most amateur hackers like myself can can relate to the game because you know if you're out there like for me if I'm if I'm thinking about way too much I have no chance like literally no chance you you can't that's why I think practice is such a big part for the pros because everything that you want to work on in the game that has to be on the range you you can't be out there playing the game. And as you're playing, trying to figure out the mechanical side of it, right? That's that's death. Yeah, I mean that that's what you you do on the range. You put all the reps in on the range, working on the technique you're working on. Then when you can go to the course and be able to shut that off, and, and be able and that to be ingrained in your system. Um, I mean that's why you see so many guys hitting balls, hitting a lot of chips to where they can go on the course and be able to turn that off and and be able to just look at the target, react, and just just let your natural ability take over. Talking with Harris English on this episode of Half Forgotten History, you mentioned Tiger. Why don't we take a break here real quick, and when we come back, we'll talk about what happened recently with Tiger uh, after the Genesis and, and where maybe uh, the sport goes forward with or without him. Uh, we're with uh, Harris English on this episode of Half Forgotten History. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Folks, it is playoff time. Big stakes and bigger promotions. I think it's time to hammer the over and score some cash. That sounds like a good idea. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on featured playoff games. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on the selected game on the over-under, it's gonna drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part about this is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. So you can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings, as you know, is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So you know what you got to do. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line's going to decrease by one point. This is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. 
Use the promo code WINGO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends 5-23-21. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, back with Harris English, uh, the champion from the Century Tournament of Champions this year at Kapalua. If I had my Kapalua cap, I would tip it to you, sir, right now, because outside of a major, that's, that's one you want to win. Uh, but you mentioned Tiger in the previous segment, and I, I can remember exactly where I was when the news broke. I was at Kapalua uh, playing when I looked at my phone and I saw that. Uh, where were you when you, when you heard the news uh, that Tiger was in that accident? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I was down at uh, the WGC concession. I know it was right around that time. Um, right. I don't know if I was driving down or I was already there. Um, but I remember I was in the Starbucks drive through and um, my wife calling me and, and saying, like, hey, did you see the Tiger News? And it had just popped up. I was listening to sports radio, and, and they had just come on and said Tiger Woods been involved in a car crash. And I don't know. It's kind of one of those moments where I, I knew where I was when I heard about Kobe Bryant dying in the helicopter crash, it, it kind of, that, that kind of flashed through my mind of maybe, maybe this is the same thing for Tiger. I mean, I, I was, I was yeah. pretty shocked and, and very concerned with um, trying to follow the news to see if he was okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been down in that part of California and you know, that, that area is called rolling Hills estates for a reason. I mean, there, there are a lot of switchbacks on that road. Um, just so, and thankfully, by the way, Tiger's now home. He's out of the hospital and resting. And, and here's my, take on, on whatever. Tiger owes none of us another round of competitive golf. My wish for him is to have a healthy life where he can be with his kids and watch them grow up. And if he can play and chooses to play, again, great. But like for me, when he came back and won the Tour Championship, I thought that was amazing. And then the next year he comes back and, you know, 14 years after winning the Masters in 2005 and 11 years after winning his last major... To, to win for the first time coming from behind at the 2019 Masters. You know, that was amazing. And then tying uh, Sam Snead's record by winning the Zozo. Uh, can, can you put into words just how much Tiger has meant to your generation of golfers that grew up watching him destroy the record books and, and just, you know, catapulting the sport forward to a place that it really has never been before? Yeah, I mean, he's he's meant everything to to my generation. I mean, that's that's pretty much why I wanted to play professional golf. I mean, seeing him dominate when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, when I was just getting into the game, um, when he was dominating 99, 2000, 2001. I mean, you see all the young guys coming out now and, and ready to play the tour, and it's all because of Tiger. I mean, he he set the bar so high and, and made the competition get a lot better. Um, to, to be able to try to compete with them. And that's why you see the college programs have, have the golf teams that they have right now. And um, he, he's been everything to this, to this game. I mean, it'll never be the same. Um, there, there'll never be a player come through that, that has done what Tiger Woods has done. I mean, selfishly, I, I want him to be able to play and, and win some more majors and be able to beat Jack's record. Um, Cause he, he's meant everything to the sport. Um, and, I've only played with him one time in a practice round, but um, I've, he's he's really been the only guy on tour that I'm kind of scared to talk to because <laughs> I, I put him I put him so high 
Um, I mean, he was, he was like God to me when I was, when I was younger. I mean, he, he was incredible. And um, even seeing him around hitting balls next to him, putting next to him, I'm still a little nervous to be able to talk to him. And he's, he's really the only guy um, that I'm like that with, but, but he's been incredibly nice. And um, everybody said how, how much softer he has gotten and how much more into helping other guys he's gotten in the past couple of years, which has been really cool to see. More approachable. Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, one of the best examples I can think of of that is when he was in the hunt at the 2018 PGA Championship at Bell Reeve. And I think he shot a 32 on the front side and didn't hit a fairway the entire time. And Joe LaCoppa told me this story once. They're sitting there on the 10th tee and, you know, they're in it. And he just shot a 32 or a 33 in the front. And, but you could tell that Tiger was, you know, still a little tense. So, before they hit their tee shots, I can't remember who was playing with Joe, said, hey, how are the fairways today? We haven't seen one yet. And Tiger just sort of <laughs> chuckled, right? No, yeah. old Tiger probably would have fired Joe on the spot, but yeah. like new and approachable Tiger. Uh, it, that's been uh, sort of a, a fun part of this to witness. What was it like when you were playing with him? You, that practice on you said you were nervous. Like, how did that go? Yeah, it was uh, It was when he was coming back from, a, from an injury, I think. It was around 2013, 2014 um, at Valhalla. Uh, I had yeah. set up a practice round to play with Davis Love, who's um, like an uncle to us all down here at Sea Island. Sea Island, yeah. As, as we're walking to the tee, he's like, hey, uh, hey, you mind if Tiger joins us for nine holes? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I, I just thought I was playing with Davis. <laughs> like, you get in your head that I'm just going to play with Davis. We're going to have a good time. You kind of – it'll be fun. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know, I don't know what to do now. Um, but it's, it was incredible to see all what he has to deal with um outside the ropes i mean people yelling at him and it, it, it's it's incredible what how how he can play golf the way he plays golf with with that much going on outside the ropes yeah from, like, from a from a fan standpoint of view there's there's the tiger effect right and i try to explain that to people and especially to other professional athletes and like what do you mean there's a tiger effect like another professional athlete is not going to be intimidated or nervous around another another athlete i'm like Bro, I don't know how to tell you this, but so I, you know, we had Brandel Shambly come on the show once. He's like, no, it's a real thing. Like the Tiger effect is a real thing. And you're just validating that, right? It, it, it puts you in a different com uh, level of comfort or discomfort because that's the guy that you've been looking up to all these tired, entire time. Yeah, and it's, it's like you're not just playing Tiger. You're playing 30,000 other people, too, that are all pulling for him. I mean, they're living and dying by every shot he hits, and, and they're not necessarily wanting to watch what you do. They're, they're wanting to watch what Tiger does, and they're, they're pulling for him so hard. And um, uh, I've never gotten to experience the full Tiger effect in, in a major, um, what it was, but I'm, I'm hoping selfishly that it's going to happen again, like the Tour Championship. And I, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about that. Um, him walking up 18 at the Masters. I mean, that, that was incredible. And he, yeah. he had the whole world pulling for him. Yeah, it, it really is a, a phenomenon. And you just hope he's healthy enough. Like the thing that concerns me, I know the leg was broken. And as long as there's no infection there, that that could work. But you know, he just come off that fifth back surgery. And to survive that rollover like that, uh, that that's the thing with me. I just hope that back is okay. Um, yeah. Is there a was there, a, is there a favorite Tiger moment that you had in your career or something that he did that you find more remarkable? Because I have one that comes to mind easy for me, but is there one that you really point to more than anything else? I mean, that, that chip in at 16 uh, at Augusta that yeah. has played every single year. I mean, I, I just there, – there's so many highlights that, that 
that guy's done throughout his his career. What hasn't he done on the biggest of stages? Yeah. And I, I kind of go back to that. The the chip with the Nike ball sitting right on the edge and falling in and him and Stevie Williams going crazy. I mean, that, that kind of stands out in my mind of, of the, the perfect Tiger moment. Absolutely. And like, for example, let, let me ask you this question. Most consecutive cuts made on tour for you, how many? I would say probably 15 to 18. The thing that nobody talks about with Tiger, enough for me, is 142 straight cuts made. I mean, that's that's an insane number. Like, I, I used to see him, like, shoot a 74 on Thursday and then pull a 69 out of his hat on Friday to make the cut on the number and then win the tournament. Like, the majors, I get it. Uh, all the moments, like you talked about that and, you know, the shot at the 2001 Canadian Open from a bunker over a lake onto a par five to you know, set up an eagle to win. But 142 straight cuts. Like, people don't understand how hard the grind is on tour. And especially for a guy like Tiger, who's had that kind of success. For those that don't appreciate it, as someone who is working hard on their game all the time and is a multiple winner on tour, what does that streak mean to you? Yeah, I mean, that, that's incredible. Just the consistency. I mean, you're going to have weeks where you don't have your A game. You're not going to have your B game. Yeah. So you got to somehow figure out how to get it done. And sometimes you get bad waves, whether you tee it off in the afternoon and a storm comes, a bunch of wind comes, stuff like that's going to happen over a 25, 30 event season that you're going to play. And, and for him to do that over eight years, nine years of golf is, is incredible. Going from different swing coaches to injuries. I mean, it, that's another one of his records that's just unbelievable that will never be even touched. I mean, I, I don't think, somebody who's come within 60 or 80 uh, cuts made of, of his record um, yeah. since he's done. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. It's just little stuff like that that you kind of forget about that when somebody brings it up, you're like, I mean, there, there's another one that will never be broken that is just another incredible stat that goes in his book. I mean, it's, it's wild. Yeah, and hopefully we'll whatever Tiger can be, we'll we'll find out going forward. But again, it just it's it's important for people to understand how many of you guys on tour just so appreciate everything that he's done for you guys. You mentioned the chip in at the Masters this season a lot about the Masters. So when we come back, we'll take a break here with Harris English and talk about what the Masters means to a guy whose whole world is Georgia from top to bottom. Stay with us. Uh, we're back with Harris English after this. This episode is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. With options like Blind Spot Assist and Active Lane Keeping Assist, plus MBUX Voice Command technology for directions, weather forecasts, comfort control, and more, Mercedes-Benz can be ready to go the extra mile. I use it every time I head to the golf course. The handling is amazing, the ride is smooth, and trust me, you never run out of space. Thanks again to Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. All right, back with Harris English on this episode of Half Forgotten History. We're going the extra mile with Harris and the extra mile brought to us by Mercedes-Benz. So for a kid that grew up, was born in Valdosta, Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, lives on Sea Island, Georgia, I would imagine the Masters is your favorite event and your favorite major, right? Yeah, I mean, from a kid, I mean, I, that's the, the term I've watched the longest and, and the term that I've wanted to win the most since I was growing up. Um, uh, growing up about four hours away, going to college about an hour and a half away from Augusta. I mean, it, it's kind of always been centered around my world. Um, 
even growing up, I didn't, I didn't watch a, a ton of professional golf. I didn't watch every week, but you better believe that when it was master's week, I was, I was glued to the TV. I was trying to stay home from school to watch it. Um, but it, it's incredible. I mean, I, the, the tradition that's there, um, it's the only major we play on the same golf course every single year. Everybody in the world, if they don't know anything about the golf, golf, golf they know what the Masters is. Um, so it's just the tournament that every professional wants to play in, every professional wants to win. And I feel like for me growing up in Georgia, it just means that much more to, to be able to play in the Masters and, and have a chance to win. What's your earliest memory of the Masters? Um, the, the best memory, um, I, I can't remember the, the first time I went, but I, I know I followed Davis Love and, and he threw me a ball and I, I still have the ball f from him in, in my office here. But um, probably the, the best memory I have is in 04 when Phil Nicholson won, leaped up in the air on, on 18. Leap is a leap. Leap is a stretch. He he got barely off the ground. Yeah, it's too much jump. Um, he had so much build up. Phil had never won a major before. Um, I think I was a freshman in high school. Um, coming down from Chattanooga, I went to high school in Chattanooga. Um, came for the Sunday's round, and um, I remember watching him make birdie on sixteen. He made like a fifteen footer up the hill. Yep. Got chill bumps watching that, and we're like, "Oh my god, he's gonna win!" and Teeing off 18, um, saw him tee off. We just stayed on 18 tee because if you didn't make that putt, they were coming back to 18 for a playoff. Playoff, yeah. But we, heard, we, we heard the huge roar on 18, knew that he won, and, and ran up the hill to see the, the ceremony. So um, I've seen some special things around that place and, and hopefully can, can do some of that myself. I mean, you always dream about doing stuff like that. Yeah, that was the year Ernie almost had one jack, one arm in the jacket. And then on 13, you know, which would be a birdie hole, he hit, pulled that drive left, and that really opened the door for Phil, who had just made an incredible birdie uh, behind Ernie on Golden Bell on 12 to really uh, sort of get himself back into it. Um, it's a unique course, and people that haven't been there don't understand how hilly it is, right? It, I, it doesn't, tr for some whatever reason, it doesn't really translate on television how much elevation change there is there. Outside of the elevation change, what else would you tell people about Augusta and the Masters that watch it all the time that may not understand or, or something different that they don't quite get from watching it on TV? Yeah, I would say number 13, they, they don't realize how, it, when you hit that fairway, how much the ball is above your feet and, and yeah. how awkward a shot that is. I mean, there's, throughout the course of the year, there's there's not many courses where we play um, fairways that, that have that much change where the balls below your feet above your feet uphill lie downhill lie there's not many courses besides Kapalua that, that we probably play that that have that much change and how tough the greens are to putt um, you can have a six footer that you could play two or three feet of break um, just to try to make it because you don't want to run it by the hole I mean just how much slope there is out there on, on the greens is incredible I, I know they don't really make greens like that anymore in, in the modern the modern era of golf yeah, listen, I remember one touring pro said once to practice for Augusta, he was putting in his garage. Like that tells you on uh, concrete, that tells you how fast those greens are, right? And, and the, uh, the greens can get so firm to where your putter slides on the greens, especially on the weekend. Um, it's so firm, it's so fast 
that your putter just slides. I mean, you're not used to like you, I kind of in my routine, I, I set the putter behind the hole, look at the hole and look back. And sometimes the putter's not where you thought it was going to be because it slides. And, and that's something to get used to on, on the weekend. Um, because the greens are so fast, they're so firm. I mean, we rarely play greens like that. In your previous rounds there as a pro, what's been the toughest hole for you? I would say, weirdly enough, number seven is probably the straightest hole out there. Doesn't have fairway bunkers. It's just Pumpus. a hole where you're you're either in the fairway or you're not in a good spot at all. I mean, yeah. I, I've I've hit it in the left trees there. I like to cut the ball, so it, it sets up for a little bit of fade. But I tend to pull the ball off that tee and get in the left trees, and then you're in jail over there. Um, and I, I know I've made a couple doubles there and kind of shot myself out of the tournament, but it's one of those holes where doesn't look too penal, doesn't look – it's not one of the most talked-about holes, but it's a hole that I know I've, I've got to play well um, this coming year. And it's certainly one that has gone through a lot of change over the last few years. That used to be, okay, we can, we can get a birdie here. They have lengthened that hole by a significant amount over the last five or six years. Yeah, I, I remember – Playing it in college, playing it once in high school, I could almost hit an iron off the tee, a, a hybrid off the tee. But now it's a three-wood or driver hole because you don't want to leave yourself with a five-iron coming out of that green because you're not going to be able to hold it. Um, it's just a – like you said, I mean, it, it's, it used to be one of those holes where you can birdie, and, and now I, I would take four pars on number seven and, and run for it. So what hole has been the most generous to you, for lack of a better term? Um, I – I have had a hole-in-one on number 12. Uh, I played. I stop. Everybody stop. Everybody stop. Harris English with a gentle flex. An ace on, on Golden Bell. Very nicely done. It's actually here in my office. If you can see it in the corner up there, they gave me an awesome shadow box. Yep. And, see it right back there. Um, it was actually in a practice round um, right before my first Masters. I was playing with uh, Brent Snedekers, who's a good friend, um, one sure. of his friends in, in Nashville. And uh, Toby Wilt from Nashville and, and Dave Dorman from Atlanta. So we played with two members. And Ben Crenshaw was in the group ahead of us, and he was on 13T. And um, I remember it was a front pin, hit pitch and wedge, one hopped in the hole, and, and Ben Crenshaw saw it on 13T and ran around Ray's Creek and gave me a high five. So it was it was an awesome experience. And um, on, on one of the, the coolest short par threes in, in the game of golf. That had to be a pretty heady moment for your one of you, like you said, practice round for your first Masters as a pro. I was, and I was then probably to have two, 2014. I was probably 23, maybe 24. Yeah. And to see two time Masters champion Ben Crenshaw run around and give you a high five, you probably could have said, I don't care what happens the rest of the week. I'm good, right? Yeah, no, that was, I was off to a good start that week. I mean, Ben was probably more jacked up than I was. Um, Seeing that ball go in, I mean, um, it, it was awesome. I, I couldn't have dreamed of something happening like that. Uh, that's that's really cool. Um, is, is there is there a certain thing at Augusta, like the, the pimento cheese sandwiches, is there one of those little traditions that you like more than anything else? Is it the fact that they're not tickets, they're badges, they're not they're not spectators, they're patrons. Nobody can run. Like they do the fast race walking everywhere. That's my favorite thing when the gates open and watch these guys doing the race walking Olympics sort of waddle to where they want to be. Um, there there's always these little things. I mean, I, I think it's cool how they announce you on the first tee. It's it's not Harris English from Sea Island, Georgia. It's 
four, please. Harris English now driving. It's just it's just little stuff like that that makes you remember the tradition of of them doing this for uh, a long time. What's it like getting the invitation in the mail saying you're invited? It's it's probably the best Christmas present you could ever get. Um, so formal. I mean, it's like getting a, a wedding invitation. Um, really cool, really awesome calligraphy on it. I mean, they, they just do everything to the nines. I mean, every, every little detail they do is, is so perfect. And I'm going to save all those in, invitations and show my kids someday of, of, uh, how, how cool this was. Yeah. Uh, Jim Benepe won an amateur, won as an amateur, uh, the, uh, back in the eighties, uh, I think it was the Western open. Uh, Phil Mickelson obviously won the Tucson open as an amateur, but there's something about the University of Georgia and the Nationwide Tour. Uh, you won as an amateur on the Nationwide Tour, and fellow uh, Bulldog Russell Henley also won on a Nationwide Tour uh, as an amateur. Do you think that'll ever happen again on the PGA Tour, an amateur winning? I, I think it will. I think it will, um, especially with how, how good the kids are coming out of college now. I mean, the, these college programs are incredible. They're only getting better. Um, kids are, are coming in ready to play. I mean, you, you see starting from Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, these kids only going to school for a year or two and, and coming out and, and winning right away on the PGA Tour. Um, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland. I mean, it just keeps happening and it, it's going to even get more and more. These kids are just ready to play and I, I can see it with my own eyes out here. I, I know I felt like I was ready to play coming out, but I, I don't think I was quite as prepared as, as some of these kids coming out now. Um, but it, I saw Russell do it in Athens at our at our home course, went on the nationwide tour. And um, that was the cool thing about going to University of Georgia is the top two guys on the team got an exemption in the nationwide event. So that, that gave me a huge experience to be able to play on my home course, to be able to kind of dip my toes into professional golf and, and think that I can compete. I mean, I, I made the cut both years. I think I finished, I think I finished top 20 maybe when, when he won. Um, but a couple months later, I mean, that, that gave me the confidence to go up to the Scarlet course at Ohio state and, and think I had a legitimate shot at, at winning the tournament. I just won the Southern amateur down in Tampa. So I'd been playing well and played some good golf up there. I mean, it, it's it's going to happen again. I mean, it, it's only a matter of time before um, either somebody wins on the PJ Tour as an amateur or the Corn Ferry Tour as an amateur. Yeah, and did you ever think at this age you'd be talking about those kids? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I still feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm about to – I'm turning 32 this summer, um, but I still feel young. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. This is my 10th year on tour, and it's, it's flown by. But um, I still feel like I'm young. I still feel like I can – um, hit it, hit it as far as, as these guys, uh, I feel like I can compete, but, um, it only, it only drives me to get better. I mean, I, I know, yeah. I know I got to get better. I know I got to keep in shape. Um, I've been working on my body a lot more than I used to when I was younger. Um, I'm paying more attention to it and, and knowing that I've got to treat it well, if I'm going to play 10 or 15 more years out on tour. Um, so I, I for me, it just, it just makes me hungry. It just makes me want to get out there and, and do better. Well, just so you know, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, I still think I'm young, so we all fool ourselves eventually, but just understand it. So we'll see what happens. Harris, we appreciate the time. This has been a lot of fun. And I got the trivia question. Do you know what the second most recognizable logo is on the PGA Tour behind the Masters flag? Behind the Masters flag. 
Kapalua. Boom. There you have uh, it. Uh, so, I, knew, I knew you had a little angle on that one. There you go. The butterfly with the pineapple in the middle. So uh, yeah. you, you will be able to rock that thing forever as a, as a winner out of Kapalua. Harris, we appreciate the time today. Thank you. Hopefully you'll be out there for the uh, Century Tournament Champions next year. Maybe we can uh, go, go have a drink or uh, play some golf. Yeah, and I will not be getting a hole-in-one on eight. I can promise you that, okay? <laughs> so once again, thanks to Harris English for joining us. And when we come back next week, we're going back to football. And we're going back to the fat man, the big guy, uh, the gold standard, if you will, for lack of a better term. One of the anchors of that Jets offensive line that went to back-to-back -back AFC championships. And yes, he was on the field for the butt fumble, but it wasn't his fault. You know him and you love him. The center with the long mangy hair for the Jets, Nick Mangle.